0: welcome back to episode 17 i think it's been a while um, since i've restarted i guess the podcast but a question came in so for all of you three listeners who actually listen to this i am surprised you're still here but thank you very much Uh, the question is i've been meaning to ask with my knee tendonitis i used to feel pain doing squats at like 100 kilos but now they're as cool as a cucumber at heavier loads is my knee less inflamed or is it just getting stronger at handling heavier loads would the tendonitis come back as the volume gets heavier again uh good question i mean if we go through those phases or those proposed phases and models of tendinopathies which is phase one react- reactive tendinopathy phase two tendon disrepair phase three degenerative tendinopathy yes i know who you are um you are certainly not at in any of those phases. Your tendon is actually healthy now. And in fact, it's gone the other way. It's actually stronger and better than ever. <clears throat> the reason being is yes, there is most likely less inflammation, but due to the um, time frames of your knee tendinopathy, the inflammation, the initial stage of inflammation is probably settled down by now. Um, and it is certainly getting stronger at handling heavier loads. So And that is primarily primarily because i have hammered you with those exercises which have been designed over time to um gradually load you like in any sort of reasonable strength training program um if the tendonitis does come back it is because uh, you have ramped up the volume too quickly um that being said we can probably refer to the acute chronic work ratio which in essence is a overall pretty good way of looking at things basically if you have an acute spike in load um, you are more susceptible to injury not necessarily but you could be more susceptible to to injury however that model is relatively basic at the very least and i have read a paper that which um I guess criticizes uh, its basicness and suggests a slightly more complicated model which looks like a crazy maths formula, but I can understand that that takes into account um, a lot of other things such as uh, extrinsic factors or intrinsic factors uh, such as say stress levels, uh, current training, what you do outside of work or what you do outside of sort of training. And your own sort of connective tissue status in a sense Um, yeah how does your knee work well that's that's it's a hinge largely but that's just a really dumb answer to a question which um, in fact would require maybe a couple of hours and one which I probably don't understand fully to be as humble as I can That being said, this is the concept of uh, training and the concept of rehabilitation anyway is to potentially back off and reduce the aggravating factors um, at any uh, given exercise which um, aggravates your pain, find out potentially the uh, external factors which are contributing to that pain. Address those factors and then slowly reload yourself back up to where you were before. How long will it take? Well, it's hard to say, but um, roughly speaking, tendinopathies can take um, most likely three to God knows how long months. Uh, I have seen tendinopathies respond as quick as a few weeks, um, but to fully rehabilitate them and to fully get them back into, into full sort of function, would take approximately, well, I think at least three months. Yeah, good question. Um, Loading, it's pretty good. Do more of it. Don't be afraid. Um, I guess we were away for a few weeks because uh, I myself have been extremely busy, both in work and out of work, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. The... I guess the current situation with COVID, um, things are starting to ease here in New South Wales. Um, Rip, Victoria, hopefully you guys are getting better. Um, And I guess due to that, um, things have been progressing fairly smoothly. Um, Recently sort of finished the Junior AFL finals. Um, So congratulations to all the teams that have won. Unfortunately, um, the team which I currently perform on-field physiotherapy for, Penzas Panthers, um, didn't have any teams that won the grand final. And that's quite interesting because I have sat there and no, I have not been sleeping the entire time. I have been actually watching those games and I have uh, quite interestingly observed um, the successes and failures. And I think after observing these junior teams for maybe a couple of years now, I think I have a, I would say, some uh, idea of what the successful teams do and what the unsuccessful teams do, Um, which is really interesting because that this goes into sort of injuries and rehab and whatnot because if you have a given team of junior AFL um, players and you know, if, if they have injuries, yes, there they can be certainly acute injuries where someone gets um, knocked the F out, say, if they get tackled and whatnot. But most of the chronic injuries, interestingly enough, um, happens to a select few in the team. So not everybody in the team has an injury, nor are the injuries spread out among the teams, usually this sort of um, certain, say three or four, kids in the team which may have ongoing issues and that could be because of growing pains and and it is load related such as Ausgut Slutters which is a tibial tuberosity apophysitis. So yeah, they can get issues like that and it is related to growing and load. Um, If you effectively back off their load, they should be okay. So yeah. The, what I find are the successful sort of defining factors is that um, the team gels well with the coach. Um, What I've found as well is that the teams that really get the basics right and who are generally decently fit um, tend to have better outcomes. Um, Obviously it is no, it is a no brainer that the team which kind of has more, more sort of say academy players and tends to have a higher success or higher chance of winning so that's really interesting um but at the the end of the day it does come down to basic um skills fundamentals being able to catch a ball being able to kick a ball being able to tackle being able to run Um, i do think that uh Maybe some older kids may get in, may get almost trapped into believing that, oh, if I do weights, I'll get really strong and then I'll, I'll perform really well. But then at the end of the day, if you perform lots of weights and you, and you can't bloody catch a ball, that ball is going to go flying into the other opponent's skates and they're going to score points and goals. So, so it's essentially bloody useless. However, there is a role of, um, of strength training in order to maybe feel stronger and maybe. Um, tackle harder or have at least the perception that you are going, you are running faster and performing better overall. Um, it is hard to measure unless you have some measuring tools such as maybe a standing for jump or a um, rep testing or sprint testing. But yeah, that's um, it's quite interestingly there. Um, I don't think there's anything else I can cover for today. Um, I will see you guys in potentially the next episode. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Now, don't go off into the sunset and blindly do what I may have said or recommended. Seek proper advice from qualified healthcare professionals. Like, comment, subscribe or book in if you would like us to assist.